Radio Drama Revival is brought to you in part by Audible, who offer a free 30-day trial and free audiobook at audibletrial.com forward slash radiodrama. Audible boasts over 30,000 titles, including a whole ton of audio drama. That's why I love it. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash radiodrama. Thanks. And welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here, here, news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I am your host, Fred, and that great theme music is by Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater. And it's about mid-December 2012 by the time we'll be airing this show, and we are back here with more holiday programming. Um, looking for stuff that's a little bit slant, and our journeys have brought us to some familiar friends who are doing something a little bit unusual as far as a holiday, in this case Christmas specials, go. Um, this is by our friends at the Icebox Radio Theater. Icebox we featured um, since the beginning of Radio Drama Revival. They were one of the first groups we featured uh, back in 2007. I think the first piece uh, we ever aired of theirs was Lifeboat, about uh, two captains in a spaceship far, far away in a devastating predicament. Um, what we have today for you is a piece by Mike Murphy um, produced by Icebox Radio Theater. Now, Mike Murphy is um, becoming quite the prolific audio theater uh, writer out there. Um, he doesn't actually produce his pieces, but he's found um, uh, many willing groups to produce shows that he has written, and uh, which is cruel because you just don't see that that often. Often you have more of the writer-producer model. Certainly that's true with me. Um, that's true of many of the leading groups. So um, all my hat off to Mike, who has uh, made this work. Um, new shows of his are up with Icebox Theater. Um, a new show went up with Misfits Audio this week. Um, and others out there um, have also done Mike Murphy Productions. Um, we're going to hear one of his today. This is I'm Dreaming of a Tropical Christmas. Again, this was made for the Icebox Radio podcast. I'm Dreaming of a Tropical Christmas when uh, the North Pole seems to be subject to some rather unusual uh, weather conditions, which uh, we'll... I don't think there's a political message necessarily here, but it is. is uh, some of you may, may read it that way. At least I have. Um, it is I'm Dreaming of a Tropical Christmas. What happens when Blitzen gets Blitz? We will find out shortly in Icebox Radio Theater's production. Now, before we get into that, I just wanted to share... Uh, we have... Well, I'm sort of borrowing this from um, Audio Go. Um, it's this uh, BBC audiobooks um, sort of wing that um, releases BBC titles in America. Now, they have sort of following all of this Hobbit fervor, um, sort of not re-released, but um, tried to uh, talk up their uh, original BBC adaptation of The Hobbit, which is awesome, um, and is available through Audio Go, um, as well as the entire box set of the BBC Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, it is fantastic. If you're like me, radio drama is your preferred way to um, enjoy these stories if you're going to absorb them in some other medium other than um, the original written work. And they've got a really nice box set. It's not quite too late to order for Christmas, I suppose, um, if you're interested in audio go. Audiogo.co.uk uh, will get you there and you can order it. Um, it's all in euros, but I think you can get these titles in the United States shipped to you as well, the classic radio drama production by the BBC. Um, they put up 10 minutes of it as part of the Audiogo um, radio drama advent this year. They do have a really nice 
uh, email list. So if you've ever purchased anything, you should probably be getting that. Or if you haven't, um, I think you can just sign up on their website for the free newsletter from AudioGo, the BBC Audiobooks, uh, the way to get them in America. Not all the BBC radio drama makes it to AudioGo, but um, the titles they put out there are great. Um, you'll, In addition to pieces like uh, the classic Hobbit and things like that, um, you can hear stuff. Um, John Dryden, who has been on the show several times, has a lot of his titles out through AudioGo. Um, and many, many more, um, including friends like Dirk Maggs, who, um, of course, did Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, as well as a bunch of other um, comic book and other original productions for the BBC. Anyways, um, they put out 10-minute um, sample of The Hobbit, and just because I got it um, and wanted to share with you and talk up um, this great collection, if you haven't heard on the BBC dramatization of The Hobbit, it is um, enjoyable, and here's a 10-minute sample for you, just the beginning of it. <laughs> The Hobbit. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. Yet, uh, uh, not a nasty, dirty wet hole, nor yet a dry, sandy bare hole. My hole was a hobbit hole, and that means comfort. It had yeah. a perfectly round door, painted green, uh-huh. which opened onto a tunnel-shaped hall, mm-hmm. with panelled walls and floors tiled and carpeted. And lots of pegs for hats yes. and coats. But and I'm very fond of visitors, do you see? And he was quite well-to-do. Uh, yeah, the long hall wound on and on, going into the side of the hill. And many little doors opened out of it. No going upstairs for the hobbit. <laughs> Bedrooms, bathrooms, cellars, pantries, lots of these. Kitchens, dining rooms, all were on the yeah. same floor. Yeah. By the way, uh, my name is, is Baggins, um, B-A-G-G-I-N-S, Bilbo Baggins. And at your service and your families? Yes, I suppose and hobbits need some description oh. nowadays since they have become so rare. Hobbits are, or were, smaller than dwarves. Oh, yes, I mean, we, we may be smaller than dwarves, but at least we don't have those, those silly beards. Yes, they're inclined to be fat in the stomach. Well built, oh, I think. Hmm? Very well, very yes. well. They're inclined to be well built. <laughs> and dressed in bright colours, chiefly green and yellow. They wear no shoes because their feet grow natural leathery soles and thick brown hair like the stuff on their head which is curly. <laughs> they have long clever brown fingers good-natured faces oh. <laughs> and laugh deep fruity laughs, laughs. <laughs> especially after dinner <laughs> <laughs> which they have twice a day when they can get it yes, <clears throat> yes well uh, my mother <clears throat> was the famous belladonna took uh, one of the three remarkable daughters of the old Took, the uh, head of the hobbits who lived across the water. And she met my oh, father. Oh, yes, yes, yes. There is little or no hmm? magic about them. But it has always been said that long ago, one or other of the Tooks had married into a fairy family. Uh-huh. Once in a while, members of the Took clan would go and have adventures. Mm. It, not, of course, that Belladonna Took ever had any adventures. I mean, after she married my father. Although so. it is <laughs> probable that Bilbo got something a bit strange in his makeup from the Took side. Something that only waited for a chance to come out. One morning, long ago in the quiet of the world, Bilbo was standing at his door after breakfast, smoking an enormous long wooden pipe reached nearly down to his neatly brushed woolly toes when Gandalf came by. I saw an old man with a tall blue hat, a long grey cloak, 
a silver scarf over which his long white beard hung down below his waist, and <laughs> immense black boots. The sun was shining, the grass was very green, and I was feeling extra friendly, so all unsuspecting, I greeted the stranger cheerily. Good morning. What do you mean? You wish me a good morning, or hmm? mean that it is a good morning, whether I want it or not? Or that you feel good this morning? Hmm? Or that it is a morning to be good on? Well, <laughs> I'll uh, all of them at once. <laughs> um, if you have a pipe about you, sit down, have a fill of my tobacco. We've got all the day before us. You may have all day, but I do not. I'm oh. looking for someone to share in an adventure I'm arranging. And it's very difficult to find anyone. Oh, I should think in these parts. We are plain quiet folk and we have no use for adventures. <laughs> Nasty, disturbing, uncomfortable things make you late for dinner. You, uh, you won't try over the hill or across the water. Good morning. What a lot of things you do use good morning for. Now you mean that it won't be good until you've got rid of me. Oh, no, no, not at all. Not at all, my dear sir. No, no, no. Uh, let me see. I, I don't think I know your name. Yes, yes, my dear sir, but I know your name, Mr. Bilbo Baggins. Oh. I am Gandalf. Oh. oh. Gandalf, yes. Ga ah! Ga Gandalf! Good gracious me! Not the man who used to make such particularly excellent fireworks. I remember those. Oh, I do. I really, I was... I, I do beg your pardon. I, I had no idea you were still in business. Where else should I be? All the same, I'm pleased to find that you remember something about me, even if it is only my fireworks. Well, Indeed, uh, for your old grandfather Took's sake, and for the sake of your mother, Belladonna, I will give you what you asked for. Oh. Um, I beg your pardon? I, I, I haven't asked for anything. Yes, you have. Twice now. Mm -hmm. My pardon. Oh. I give it to you. Oh, In thank fact, you very much. I will go so far as to send you on this adventure. Very amusing for oh, me. Uh, no, no, and no. very good for you. And profitable, oh. too. Very likely. If you ever get over it. If I ever get... Oh, no. No, no, no. No, no I, I'm sorry. I, I don't want any adventures. Thank you. Thank you very much. No, not today. Good morning. I have already... Yes, oh, but uh, please, uh, come to tea. Come to tea, you know. I mean, any time you like. Uh, why not come tomorrow? Yes. Yes, that's right. You you, you, you come to tea tomorrow. Hmm? Goodbye. Gandalf was left standing outside. After a while, he stepped up, and with the spike on his staff, he scratched a sign on the hobbit's green front door. Then, he strode away. The next morning, I had almost forgotten about Gandalf. I, I don't remember things very well unless I put them down on my engagement tablet. The day before, I'd been too flustered to do anything of the kind. And it wasn't until just before tea time that I remembered. Gandalf! Tea! Oh, I must get another cup and saucer. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, coming, coming. I'm so sorry to have kept you. Good I'm... afternoon. Dwalin, the dwarf. The dwarf, oh. At your service, excuse me. Uh, yes, uh, uh, hang your cloak on the peg. My, my name is uh, Bilbo Baggins, B A W G. Oh, yes, um, at your service. Is that tea ready in there? Uh, yes, I, I was just going to... Oh, these cakes look delicious. I'll have one or two, if I may. Oh, uh, please do, please do. Have three, if you like. 
Excuse me. Ah, good afternoon, Mr. G ah, oh. I see Dwarling's cloak hanging in your hall. I, I put my necks to it. Shall I? Yes. Uh, there. Balin, at your service. Uh, thank you, thank you. Captain Balin. Yes. Come in here and have some tea. A little beer would suit me better, yes. if it's all the same to you, my dear sir. Well, I... But I, I don't really... mind some cake, some seed cake, if you have any. Lots, lots. Uh, um, uh, go on in, yes. Thank you, sir. I'll... I'll, I'll... Oh, Gandalf, for sure, this time. But this must oh, be the house. Are the others here? What what uh, what can I do for you, my uh, dwarves? Chile, at your service. And freely. Oh, at yours and, and your families. <laughs> Let us join the throng. The throng? I don't like the sound of that. Come on, please, bring your cloak down. Ah, I can smell fresh cut bread oh, and butter. Goodness, and Delicious. And uh, yes. Nori, oh. at your service. Nori, at your service. Oh, yes, Nori, at, at your service. Oh, in the your service. Glory, at your service. At yours and your... Oh, well, I, I suppose I'd better get out some more cups and saucers and plates and knives. Oh, if that's more dwarves, I'll... Uh, oh, oh, Mr. Gandalf. Come, oh, come, Bilbo, it's not like you to keep friends waiting on the doorstep and then open the door like a popgun. Keep friends? Uh, let me introduce Bifor, Bofor, and Bombor. At your oh, service. Yes. At your service. At your service. At your service, yes. And especially Tareen Oakenshield. Yes. Oh, uh, at yours and your family. Well, shall we go in? I think we must be the last to arrive. The last? Yes, uh, yes, uh, yes, of course. Uh, oh, Confessed to get him to bother these dwarves. Uh, Mr. Gandalf, why have you brought Bilbo, these... you must not speak disrespectfully of these 13 dwarves, especially of Taurin. Oh? He is the great Taurin Oakenshield, grandson of their last king under the mountain. King? Oh, Come, the... let us join the merry gathering. Uh, oh, yes. What's the prize, Dwayne? Dwarves ate and ate and talked and talked about mines and gold and... Trouble with goblins and the depredations of dragons and well, lots of other things which I didn't understand. I didn't want to. They sounded much too adventurous. My appetite was quite taken away. And that was uh, courtesy of Audio Go, um, audiogo.com, um, the 10 minutes of The Hobbit, the prelude, of course, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, that's available for four euro download or eight euro CD, so roughly double that $8 download or $15-ish um, price for the U.S. dollars. Um, up at audiogo.com right now, they have The Hobbit, um, their big splash banner on their homepage. I am not um, financially motivated to tell you that other than to say that um, it's a great production, and I was uh, tickled to be able to uh, be reminded that this show is out there, um, especially since there's so much fervor um, for the new film, and not that I have anything wrong with movies, but um, the radio drama is one of the formative dramas that I heard um, and growing up before I even understood that radio drama was sort of its own medium when just when I um, loved the books, I uh, heard The Hobbit uh, as well as the, uh, the full adaptation of Lord of the Rings through the BBC and loved it. And it's here available now for you today um, as a download or as CD box set. And that brings us to more radio drama what we're actually going to hear today. This is, again is, as promised, the Mike Murphy piece, um, I'm Dreaming of a Tropical Christmas, released on the Icebox Radio podcast. Enjoy. We'll be right back to the afternoon movie Santa Claus Conquers the Martians after these commercial messages. Hello, folks. This is Mad Milt Landon of Land and Travel right here in the NP. That's right, the North Pole. The sunny and warm North Pole. No need for boots and parkas here. No, sir, they're out. 
shorts and flip-flops are in. Oh, yes, you heard me right. For the first time in many, many, many years, we are snowless. And in honor of this most unusual weather, we're running a unique vacation getaway as only land and travel can. Through a special arrangement with jolly old St. Nick, you can now visit the MP and take a tour of Santa's home and workshop. And that's whether you've been naughty or nice. See Santa's workshop, meet some elves and reindeer, visit the hair deck where Santa keeps his sleigh. Well, you can even sit in that famous sleigh and have your picture taken uh, for an extra, though, reasonable. Wouldn't that make a great Christmas card, Mom and Dad? Oh, don't delay. Call Land and Travel at the number on your screen and ask about our NPP, North Pole Package. Do it today. Once the snow comes, as it will, the tours will be out. Call Land and Travel today and book the vacation of a lifetime. Oh, boy, it is hot out there. Of course you're hot. Mm. You're wearing your full red suit. Why didn't you put on something lighter? Oh, force of habit, I guess. I mm. knew you'd be thirsty, Chris. I brought you some lemonade. Oh, mm. Mm. oh, that hit the spot. Thank you, Edna. Oh, why didn't we ever have air conditioning installed in this house? <laughs> We've never needed it. Where were you all this time? I was down at the ice bar. <gasps> Chris! Well, it wasn't for me, my dear. Fergus the bartender called and said I'd better get right down there and bring him home. Him who? Blitzen. He was a little tipsy. Oh, the buttermilk? Yes. How many times have you told those reindeer of the effect buttermilk will have on their systems? More than I care to remember it. It, it must be this warm weather. So, Blitzen was... Blitzed, yes. Mm. Uh, we had to walk all the way back. The FAA would never approve of reindeer flying under the influence of buttermilk. Mm -hmm. And where is buttermilk Blitzen now? I put him in his stall. He was falling asleep when I left. Should be all right by morning. No more trips to the ice bar for him. I should say not. <sighs> this is probably a bad time to tell you about uh, Rudolph, then. Oh, what is he up to? He's lying outside, sunning himself. Well, that doesn't sound so bad. He's drinking milkshakes. The empty glasses are everywhere. Oh, no. His nose is even redder than usual. Well, they're not too good for him, but buttermilk would be worse. He's young. He'll learn. Have you seen any of the elves around? No. It's been very quiet. Mm, I'm afraid of that. No work is getting done. They must be all out gallivanting in this tropical weather. Oh, I don't suppose you can blame them. If this heat wave keeps up for much longer, we'll never have all the toys built in time for Christmas. Have you seen the latest weather forecast? Um, yes. Well? I... I don't want to tell you. Sunny and warm? Yes. For the next two weeks. Two weeks? Oh, I have to get the elves working on the toys again. They're probably all down at the ice bar, too. Well, what would those little men be doing down at the ice bar? Looking for little women? Chris, you do give all the elves room and board. True. Couldn't you hold that over their heads? You know, use it as a bargaining chip? Room and board are in their contract. If I tried to change that, I'd get in trouble with their union. Well, we have to do something. What's this darn tropical weather system? 
Everybody wants to go out and play and leave the work for later. <sighs> I guess I can't blame anyone. For many of them, it's the first warm weather they've ever seen. It's a lot easier to concentrate on making toys when a blizzard is blowing outside. But we can't let this weather jeopardize Christmas. Don't worry, my love. I've got a plan. Ah, well, here's Landon's first tour of the day. What did I tell you, folks? There's the big guy himself. Does Landon travel deliver or what? Mom, is it really him? Yes, dear, it is. Oh, boy! <laughs> now, what's your name, young man? David. Uh, David Kelly, sir. David Kelly. Hmm. David Kelly from Belchertown, Massachusetts? Y yes, Santa. Oh, <laughs> so we finally meet. Am I in trouble? Well, certainly not, son. You've been on my good list for some months. <laughs> that must be a relief, David. You betcha. Now, do you help your mom around the house? Sure. And you clean up your room when she tells you to? Well, as soon as I can. And you help take care of your beagle snuffles? Mom, he knows about snuffles. I told you he was the real McCoy. No phony Santa on a land and travel tour. No way. I do help with snuffles, Santa. I'd say you've been a very good boy. And I don't think you'll have anything to worry about come Christmas morning. No coal? <laughs> no coal. Good. Now, folks, Santa has been kind enough to allow these tours, but we have to let him get back to work. Christmas is only a month away. You're right, David. Santa is a very busy man. I certainly am. Now, Merry Christmas to all of you. Yeah, Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas, Santa. Merry Christmas. Why did you agree to these tours, Chris? Well, my dear, we do need the money. For what? We've never needed money before. True, but the person who's going to put a stop to this heat wave so I can get Christmas back on track won't work for free. The person who's going to put a stop to this heat wave so I can get Christmas back on track won't work for free. Stop this weather? Oh, these tours are a gold mine. Oh, no, Santa. I won't allow it. I'll stop you or my name isn't Milt Landon. around here. It must be her. No one else at the NP would have the power to change the weather but Hootenanny the witch. Oh, oh, there's the bell. Cute doorbell. Oh, hello, kitty. Hello yourself. You talk? How perceptive. But, but, but how? How cats don't talk? They meow. I'm not a cat. You look like a cat. I'm a familiar. Familiar what? <laughs> not familiar. A familiar. A, A. You're from Canada? Oh, boy. Hello, Mensa. What are you talking about? I'm a familiar. Familiar, noun, an animal who embodies a supernatural spirit and aids a witch in performing magic. Oh, that kind of familiar? Bingo. But why a cat? Because a mongoose is too showy. Oh. Are you here to see Hoot Nanny? I am. Are you a client? Uh, not yet. I, I hope to be. Ah, I'll announce you. Come on in. Hey, Jen, we got a valedictorian here. Thank you, Frump. You have served me well 
Uh, don't I always? You may go now. I think that pesky mouse has snuck back in here from the fields. Good. Could you do away with him for me? No problem. Uh, where's the Tabasco? Top cabinet, second shelf on the right, right behind the powdered walrus wart. Thanks. Now what can I... I've seen you on TV. Oh, have you? Yes. You're from that travel agency that's offering tours of Santa's workshop. Oh, that's right. Land and travel. And my wife, Anita, and I run it. Are the tours going well? Oh, very well. As a matter of fact, that's what I came here to talk with you about. No, thank you. I don't want to see Santa's workshop. I don't want to use up my vacation days there. Where would you want to travel? I've always wanted to see Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. Why? The name intrigues me. Oh, well, I could arrange that trip for you. Could you? Uh, sure, uh, no sweat. How nice. <laughs> we must talk in the new year. Now, may I ask a favor of you? Certainly. Um, has Santa asked you to use your magic to bring winter back to the pole? He certainly has. It's an easy spell to cast. Certainly not worth the amount of money he paid me. I want you to break that deal and keep this weather here for as long as possible. Oh, oh forever if you can. I could, Mr. Landon, but I won't. What? I already made a deal with Santa. I promised him. I'll give you twice whatever he paid you. Three times. I'm very sorry, but no. Why? I am a witch of my word, and I did accept Santa's offer first. Breaking my promise to him would go against the witch's code. Witches have a code? No one's all bad, you know. Uh, theoretically, what would have to happen for you not to cast that spell and bring Winter back? <laughs> Santa would have to cancel. Only the person who asks for the spell to be cast can ask for it not to happen. I do have a 30% handling fee, but he'll get the rest of his money back. <laughs> if he canceled, could you take my business? Of course. Uh, how long before Santa's spell takes effect? I haven't cast it yet. I have a few to finish for some other clients first. Lady Gaga, Ryan Seacrest, Joyce DeWitt. I plan on taking care of Santa's spell tomorrow after dinner. So he'd uh, need to cancel before then, and you'd take my spell? For the same fee, yes. Pounce from pounce! Sorry! I missed you on the tour today, honey. Oh, sorry, but I had some business to tend to. Did everything go well? Oh, yes, a full house. I already put the checks in the bank. Great. That long-range forecast is for another couple weeks of this weather, so we'll still have a good amount of time to run the tours. After the weather breaks, well, that's it. Really? Once the snow and cold come back to the pole, no one's going to want to visit. <sighs> it's a pity we can't have this weather for a longer time. It's such a refreshing change. What if I told you that um, we might be able to, uh, that we could have this weather permanently? 
Don't be silly, dear. Once this nice weather is over, so are the tours. <sighs> and poor Santa. What about him? This weather is putting him behind schedule. None of the elves want to stay in the workshop and make toys. Even the reindeer are causing him trouble. <sighs> I'm going to bed. Are you coming? In a few minutes. Don't be long. I won't. So, Christmas might be in trouble if this weather sticks around, huh? All the kitties will be disappointed. Oh, tough kids. Life isn't fair. Your parents won't tell you that, but I will. Me, Milt Landon. Uh, if it comes down to a choice between a Merry Christmas or a big profit, oh, guess who wins? Uh, now, how do I make the big guy in the red suit cancel his deal with Hootnanny? Hmm. What a rip. He's not here. Have no fear, everyone. Just because Santa isn't in this room at the moment doesn't mean that he isn't nearby. I have no doubt you'll meet him. Uh, Anita, would you please lead everyone to the workshop? Santa's probably there preparing for his trip. Certainly. Everyone, if you follow me, will proceed to the workshop. Oh, think, Melt, think. You have to make Santa cancel his deal with Nanny, so these tours can continue. Oh, but how? What can I possibly? He's making a fist of list. Check it twice. He's gonna find out who's naughty and not. Santa Claus is coming. Somewhere! <laughs> Why, it's Rudolph. He's been drinking. Oh, are those milkshake glasses. Reindeer can't handle milkshakes. <gasps> he has to control himself. Santa's counting on him to... Of course! So be good for goodness sake. Oh, you better not pout. I'm telling you why the big guy is coming to frown. <laughs> Hello, Rudolph. Hello, Mr. Landon. Oh, it looks like you've been having a little party for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I was wanting to try a milkshake. Donder told me they're delicious. And are they? I don't know. My taste buds have gone on strike. I was only can't try one. It looks like you've had several. I thought I was safe as long as I stayed away from buttermilk. I guess reindeer are just naturally lactose intolerant. Intolerant. That too. Uh, has Santa seen you like this? Oh, not that I know of. Oh, he'd be really angry. Uh, you think so? Oh, I know so. Uh -huh. He's counting on you to lead the team on Christmas Eve. Oh, and you're in no shape for that. How, how, how long until the big night? You don't know. Well, with all these nice weather days have kind of been running all together. Yeah, it's not far away. <gasps> Oops. You'd better straighten up quickly so you can fly. Uh, you don't want to disappoint Santa and all those kids. 
How do I straighten up? Well, I can help you. You can? How? I have something back at my house that'll fix you right up. <laughs> really? It'll be like none of these glasses was ever full. Why don't you come back to my place? I'll fix you up. Oh, but I, I can't fly like this. Oh, no, you, you don't have to. My car's out front. <gasps> I've never ridden in a car before. Oh, there's a first time for everything. You'd, 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 you'd do this for me. Well, of course. Letting me take care of you will be a real present to me. In the kitchen. Want a sandwich? What are you doing here? Well, I live here. You abandoned me on the tour. Oh, I'm sorry. I had something to take care of. You could have told me. I was worried. What was that? What was what? That! <laughs> oh, it oh, uh, must be the radiators. You know the noise they make. We don't have the heat on, Milt. It must be 90 degrees outside. It sounds like it's coming from the bedroom. Come on. Honey, honey. What? Don't be silly. The sound isn't coming from our bedroom. No. Don't. It's another woman, isn't it? Of course not. That's why you left the tour. You had a rendezvous to keep. Honey, I swear it's not. It's. It's Rudolph. I told you it wasn't another woman. What is Rudolph doing on our bed? It's not what you think. What am I thinking? I don't want to think about it. Explain yourself, Milt. Uh, I, I, I brought Rudolph back here in my car. He, he's got a milkshake hangover, and I, I was going to help him get rid of it. He, he fell asleep on our bed before I could do anything. I, I didn't have the heart to wake him. But you did have the heart to put a chain around his neck and tie him to our bed? Uh, well, yeah. Milt, what are uh, you? I can explain everything. It's all for the good of land and travel. We'll be rich. No, Milt, you can't do this. I'm doing it for us. Think of the money we'll make. I'm thinking of Christmas. Well, then think of all the money we'll have for Christmas presents. Oh, we can buy your mom that trip to Albuquerque she's always wanted. One way. If Christmas comes, with all the trouble Santa's having already, if the weather is like this permanently... There will always be Christmas. Not with what you're doing. Oh, Anita. We'll make what money we can on the tours while the weather naturally permits. I won't have you ruin Christmas because of your greed. But, honey... You're going to unchain Rudolph and abandon this silly idea of yours. But... Do I make myself clear? Perfectly. Good. I have another tour to host. After Rudolph wakes up and you return him to Santa, I'd appreciate your help with this one. Of course.
Anita, I've given in to you on a lot of things in our marriage. Oh, but an opportunity like this won't come around again. Rudolph and I are going on a little road trip. <laughs> I head out until Santa agrees to my terms. You'll thank me for this one day. You will. You'll see. No, honey, I haven't seen him. Well, all the empty milkshake glasses are still outside, but no Rudolph. Where could he have gone? Goodness, what's that? It's the shortwave, and there must be a call coming in. Oh, I hate that contraption. Well, we don't have much of a choice in these parts, dear. No cell phone reception, no bars. Except for the ice bar. Oh, please don't ever mention that place again. Let's fiddle with the knobs. See what we can. Let's see now. There, that should do it. Santa, can you hear me? Yes. Who is this? It's Milt Landon. I thought you were busy with the tours, Mr. Landon. Oh, not today. I have someone here who wants to speak with you. Get up to the mic. Santa, it's me. Rudolph? That's right, sir. Where are you? You you, you should be here. I'll explain the rest, Rudy. Santa, there's been a change of plans. Here's what you're going to do. Gentlemen, here is the one, the only... So do we have a deal. Mrs. Landon. Is that my husband? Oh, it certainly is. <sighs> Milt, I told you to let that poor creature go. Yeah. Oh, no, Anita. We need the money. Not like this. Hey, what about the tour, lady? We came all the way from Poughkeepsie for this. Hold your reindeers. You'll get what you paid for when I'm done here. Understand? Mr. Landon, is Rudolph okay? He's coming off a milkshake bender, but he'll be fine. If I cancel my deal with Hootenanny, you'll let him go? I will. Oh, Mr. Landon. Mrs. Landon, do you have a shortwave radio at home? Yes, but it's been broken for months. I keep telling Milk to get it fixed in case of an emergency. But he's too cheap. If it's not at home, then where is he? I wish I knew. Well? Uh, uh, I don't see as I have a choice. <gasps> Chris, you can't. We'll never get back on schedule if this weather holds. What can I do? I, I can't fly without Rudolph. What's your answer? I'll talk to Hoot Annie and cancel the spell. Good choice. I'm disappointed in you, Milt. Very disappointed. I'll learn to live with it. Oh, and, uh, Santa? Yes? This doesn't put me on the naughty list, does it? The Icebox Radio Podcast will be back right after this. Hey, 
Hey, podcasting is great, but do you know someone who would enjoy the Icebox Radio Theater but doesn't really enjoy computers? Well, we have a brand new program just for them. For around $5 a month, the Icebox Radio Theater will come right to your door. Each and every month, you'll receive a compact disc featuring that month's new original audio plays presented in top-quality stereo. Do you know someone who loves old-time radio but can't get these broadcasts? A subscription to the Icebox Radio Theater makes a great gift. Begin a collection of great audio theater for travel, working out, sharing with friends, or just enjoying again and again. For information, visit our website at iceboxradio.org or write to Subscriptions, P.O. Box 46, International Falls, Minnesota, 56649. That's Subscriptions, P.O. Box 46, International Falls, 56649. The Icebox Radio Theater, bringing the Northland stories to you. shoot. It happened again. Your iPod broke? No, it's working fine. I just lost another audio drama podcast. It seems like every time I get into a story, the show goes on hiatus. I guess I can't complain. Podcasters just produce these shows for fun, after all. Well, not all of them. There are people producing serious work in podcasting. I'm talking about real artists, like the Icebox Radio Theater. Oh, I've been meaning to try them. They use professional actors, professional writers, and they haven't missed an episode in five years. Do they charge for their podcasts? Oh, no way. The Icebox Radio Theater is a nonprofit organization. They have membership drives, just like NPR. When I joined the IBRT, I got special members-only content on their website, commercial-free versions of all their plays, discounts on IBRT merchandise, and more. And I get to vote in theater elections and the annual Frosty Awards. So, kind of like a club. Oh, that's not all. Did you know that members have written, acted, and even done CD covers for the IBRT? Well, join the theater and it's almost like you're part of a family. Well, I'll just start by listening. (laughs) Or check it out on iceboxradio.org. There's a membership link right along the top. Well, if they promise to never miss an episode. They won't. Then I just might do that. What's the address again? Iceboxradio.org. So, can I go? Oh, not quite yet. Why not? Uh, I'm not sure I can trust Santa. (gasps) Not trust Santa? Oh, you're going on the naughty list for sure. I need to make certain he does what he said he will. And how will you do that? With this. Hmm, nice old watch. You like it? Look at it closely. Closely. I am. You are going to be my eyes and ears at Santa's house. You'll report back to me if he's keeping his word. Spy on the boss? Never. Oh, you are getting very sleepy. 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 Mr. Landon? Mr. Landon? Mr. Landon?
Well, I'm off to see Hootenanny. But, Chris... Well, what choice do I have, Edna? Boy, am I going to let Milt have it the next time I see him. How will we ever get back on schedule without snow? Oh, I've never had to cancel Christmas before, but this time... Look! Look! Up there! Why, it's Rudolph! Is is that your husband on his back, Mrs. Landon? It is! I'd recognize that ugly checked suit jacket anywhere! Is he chained to Rudolph? It looks that way. Permission to land, sir! Granted! Oh, Rudolph, are you okay? I'm fine, though I'll never have another milkshake again. Milt, do you realize you've jeopardized Christmas for millions of people? Do you? Answer me, Milton Landon. What's... what's wrong with him? Oh, he's hypnotized. What? He hid me in his ice fishing house so he could make his demands. That's where he called you from, boss. (sighs) Just like him. The shortwave in the fishing house works, but the one at home is broken. Well, he didn't trust you to keep your word, sir, so he took out his pocket watch to hypnotize me and to spy on you. Make sure you do what you said you would. He hypnotized himself? Yeah. I think he must have seen his reflection in my nose. So how'd you get those chains off? Though Mr. Landon did that for me. What? Oh, I told him to. After we got outside, I chained him to my back, and we took off for here. So... He's hypnotized now? Yes. Watch. Cluck like a chicken for me, Mr. Landon. Amazing. Okay, that's enough. He's very susceptible to suggestion. Is he? Mr. Landon, can you hear me? Yes. Starting now, you'll give up your plan to keep tropical weather at the pole year-round. I will. And you'll realize that Christmas is much more important than money. Yes. You'll also devote yourself, when you're not busy with your travel agency, to helping me get Christmas ready on time, not only this year, but every year. Yes, sir. Well, I think that's about it. Hold on one minute. My turn. (laughs) As you wish. Milt, starting right now. You're going to be a much more romantic husband. Romantic, yes. Every once in a while, you'll surprise your wife with flowers and candy, just because you love her. Understand? I understand. And when you come out of your trance, you're going to take her to a very romantic dinner at the Mistletoe Bistro. I will. (laughs) Anything else? No. I think that covers it. Well, Mr. Landon, when I count to three, you will awaken, feel refreshed, and will have forgotten all about the naughty thing you tried to do today. Yes, sir. One, two, three. Oh, time for another tour, dear. Almost done, Milt. Hey, look, it's snowing. So it is. Do you like the snow, Milt? Oh, who doesn't? But uh, won't this mean an end to your tours for the year? Yeah, but there are more important things than money. Wow. After we finish the tour, do we have time to head down to the bistro, dear? Your eyes always sparkle so beautifully by candlelight. We certainly do. 
Why am I wearing these? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone out there in TV land. Milk Landon here from Landon Travel. Well, the snow has returned to the old NP, as we knew it would. I hope you all got your Santa tours in while the warm weather was here. All of us at Land and Travel want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Oh, remember, it's all about giving, not receiving. It's the thought that counts, not the price of the gift. Be happy this holiday season. I am. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have this undeniable urge to run out and buy my dear wife some roses before the snow gets too deep. Merry Christmas, everyone. This has been I'm Dreaming of a Tropical Christmas by Mike Murphy. Our production this evening was directed by Jeffrey Adams and featured in order of appearance, Tom Bement as Milt Landon, Jeff Adams as Santa, Frump the Familiar, and Rudolph, Karen Schickel as Mrs. Claus, Jamie Showbloom as David, and Autumn Silvers as David's mom, Victoria Olson was Hootnanny the Witch, and Diane Adams played Anita. Sound effects designed and realized by Dave Irwin. Post-production by Jeffrey Adams. This story is copyright 2012 by Mike Murphy. And our production this evening, copyright 2012 by the Icebox Radio Theater, which is solely responsible for its content. So on behalf of all of us here at the IBRT, Merry Christmas, everyone. here at the IBRT, we specialize in audio drama, but occasionally it's fun to sit down and simply read a story, a book on tape, as it were. And the book I'd like to put to tape today is a very special one. It's a Christmas story that I wrote in 1991 uh, when my wife and I were a very small family of three. Our son Stephen was, oh gosh, uh, two years old at the time, and there wasn't a lot of money, as there often is when you're a young family. And so we decided to make a Christmas present that year. I wrote a story. Um, Diane actually had some equipment on hand that she could sew bindings. And we we wrote or we presented to our friends and family the Christmas room uh, that year. There was about 20 copies printed on my very own Dot Matrix printer. And uh, it's it's always been a very special story to my heart. First of all, because I think it really turned out fairly well. And we did adapt it for drama a couple of years ago on the Icebox Radio Theater. But since we have a little extra time on this podcast, I thought I'd make a special holiday present of presenting to you now the Christmas room in its original form. Once, in a place quite nearby, but very different from here, there lived an old man who, God help him, just didn't like people. In fact, if you took the old man's dislike for people and stretched it lengthwise, it would quite easily stretch all the way around the town where you live two or three times. That's why the old man, oh, uh, by the way, his name is Ned, was never happy. Ned lived in a small apartment in the attic of a church. 
his room was cramped and got cold at night, and Ned liked it anyway. It fit his personality. Now, Pastor Knack, he's the pastor at this church we're talking about, liked Ned, but was very worried about the little attic room. The room was supposed to be a place where this particular church could give shelter for people who needed it, and yet Ned, whenever Pastor Knack got a chance to speak to him, said he was going to stay forever. Pastor Knack talked about the situation with other people in the church, prayed about it with God, and thought about it all by himself, but still he didn't know what to do. Some people who went to the church told Pastor Knack to throw Ned out into the street, but Pastor Knack wasn't sure that was a Christian thing to do. He thought about asking Ned very nicely to leave, and he thought that would be better. Unfortunately, Pastor Knack was scared of Ned. Ned was big and blustery and had a face like a lost apple you'd find behind the garbage can or under your bed. Whenever Pastor Knack knocked on his door, Ned would open the door so hard it made a dent in the wall, throw back his head and yell, What is it? Pastor Knack always forgot what it was he wanted in those situations and just scurried away. Thank you and excuse me, he'd say over and over again. It got to the point where Pastor Knack was so scared of Ned, he couldn't even bring himself to go up to the attic. So he stayed scared of Ned, and Ned stayed hateful of other people. But being a man of God, Pastor Knack believed things would eventually work out. And that's how things were for a very long time. One cold winter night a few days before Christmas, a young girl, maybe seven years old, and her mother came to the door of the church. The young girl was named Karen, and her mother, who had been working for a long time to try and support the two of them, had lost her job where she was and came to where we are to find new work. But work was not plentiful, and the money Karen's mother had saved for their food and shelter was quickly running out. In fact, it was to the point where the two of them only had enough for one meal and not enough for a place to stay. That was when Karen saw the church. At first, Karen's mother didn't want to go into the church and ask for help, but when Karen reminded her that the church was God's house, and they were supposed to be his children anyway, Karen's mother said, All right, and the two of them walked across the street at the light and into the church. When they found Pastor Knack, he was delighted to help. Now, there is something interesting you should know about Pastor Knack. He's a little forgetful. Whenever anyone asks him to do something, he usually just jumps right ahead and does it without stopping to worry about things like whether or not it's a good idea. Take this situation, for example. As Pastor Knack led Karen and her mother up the stairs to the church's attic, all he was thinking about was the warm, glowing feeling he had inside him because he was helping a mother and child in need. He had forgotten completely about Ned. Ned was in the attic room, sleeping soundly, dreaming dreams without people in them, when Pastor Knack, Karen, and her mother waltzed through the door, Pastor Knack flicked on the lights and then finally remembered Ned. Ned rolled over in his bed and said, What is it? Pastor Knack just stood in the doorway staring at him. But then something remarkable happened. Pastor Knack, who didn't always know the right thing to say, thought of it. He said, Ned, I'm sorry I woke you, but we have an emergency. I'm going to go get the extra cot from storage because a little girl and her mother just came by and they need a place to sleep. I know you won't like the idea much, but for one or two nights, you're going to have to share this room. At hearing this, Ned was so dumbfounded that all he could do was lay there, staring at the doorway. Pastor Knack went to get the other cot out of storage, and Karen and her mother quietly moved into the room. They stared at Ned, and he stared back. Now, Ned had thought of all sorts of nasty, irritating things to say, but decided he was too tired to say them. 
So he just rolled over and pretended no one else was there. Pastor Nat came back a few minutes later with the spare cot, some sheets, and two extra warm blankets. The cot was quite small, but by snuggling very close, Karen and her mother managed to fit on it just barely. When they were all snug and in bed, Kara's mother said ever so softly, "'Okay, dear, say your prayers.' And the two of them bowed their heads, and Karen shut her eyes extra tight and clasped her hands extra hard, and then she said, "'Dear God, thank you for Mommy. Thank you for Grandma Ruth and Aunt Reba, and please help Mommy find a job real soon. Oh, and thank you for the nice man who gave us this place to sleep and helped the grumpy man in the room with us.' Just then Karen's mom coughed real loud. She didn't look happy. But Karen wasn't finished, so she went on. "'And God,' It's Christmas time down here, and I know we're supposed to be celebrating Jesus' birthday and not just exchanging gifts and stuff, but please, could I have the Christmas room that I told you about? That's the room that's all warm with a fireplace and red wallpaper and a tree with lights and a bookcase full of Christmas stories, and the whole room will stay decorated for Christmas all year round just so everyone who sees it will remember that Christmas needs to come every day if it's going to do any good, and that we should all remember that and not fight and stuff. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With that, Karen looked at her mother and smiled. But her mother was crying, and Karen didn't know why. What's the matter, Mommy? she said. Did I say something to make you sad? Karen's mother brushed a tear off her cheek and said, No, dear, you could never say anything to make me sad. Now go to sleep. Her mother smiled then, so Karen smiled back and rolled over on the little cot and snuggled close. In no time she was fast asleep, dreaming of her little Christmas room. A little while after that, Karen's mother was asleep too. The only one in the room who was still awake then was Ned, who had listened to the whole thing without saying a word. Now a funny thing happened to Ned that night. When Karen and her mother had showed up, he was very upset. He didn't like people after all, and especially didn't like sharing his room with them. But as he lay there on his bed and listened to Karen and her mother sleep so peacefully, he decided he should give the room to them. It'd just be easier, he said to himself, just to leave, look for some place with more privacy. So, quite a while later, when Karen and her mother were still fast asleep, Ned got up very quietly and got dressed. Then he put all his things into his bag and started to leave. But as he was turning towards the door, he felt a small tug on his coat. He turned and looked down, and there was Karen, standing next to him. Where are you going? she whispered, so as not to wake her mother. Ned couldn't think of anything to say. After all, he didn't like people so much, so he wasn't really in the habit of talking to them, and if you fall out of the habit of talking to them, you get rusty. All he could do was point at the door and say, uh, I've, I've got to go. Oh, don't go yet, Karen whispered. I need you to help me. With what? It's my mommy, Karen whispered. She's really worried about finding a job, and I need to pray for her. Uh, didn't you do that before? Ned asked. Well, yeah, a little, but... It's better if you pray for someone without them knowing about it. Ned was about to say something else, but decided it would be easier just to help Karen and get it over with. Ned led Karen out into the hall, and once the door was closed, he said rather gruffly, Now what? Get down on your knees, Karen said. Well, now Ned didn't like that at all, but once Karen got down on her knees, he decided he'd better too, or else he'd never get out of there. What next, he asked. Just bow your head and close your eyes. I'll do all the praying, because she's my mommy. Oh, that's big of you, Ned said. So the two of them bowed their heads, and Karen started to pray. God, it's me again. I just wanted to say that mommy really needs your help. 
She's sad all the time because we don't have a place to stay. And I know you gave us this really neat room and everything, but it would help her if we could have something more regular. And she's sad because she knows I can't have my Christmas room if we don't have our own house. So could you please help her find a job? And please stop me from asking for the Christmas room ever again? I think that's what's making her sad. And it's not really important anyway. Just make her happy again. That's all I really want for Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Karen looked at Ned and smiled. Ned, who had cheated and kept his eyes open the whole time, was looking down at her. Why do you want this room, this Christmas room, he asked. Oh, Karen said, because it would be wonderful. There'd be a tree there all the time and a fireplace and a bookcase full of Christmas books, and everyone could go there and have hot chocolate even if it was a hundred degrees outside. And that way everyone would remember Christmas all year. Ned thought for a moment, then looked at Karen again and said, And you'd be willing to give that up just so your mom was happy? Karen became real quiet, and then she nodded. If Mommy was happy, she said, I'd have Christmas every day anyway. Ned looked at Karen for a little while, then stood up and said, Go back to bed before your mom misses you. Okay, Karen said, and thank you for helping. Then she smiled. Now, if you hadn't figured it out by now, Ned was changing inside. He still didn't like people, but something about Karen was melting a part of Ned's heart that had been frozen for a long time. He just stood in the hall, thinking. He thought about the praying, and about Karen, and about the Christmas room. After a while, Ned knew what needed to be done, and set about doing it. The next morning, Karen's mother woke up and felt something sticking in her back. When she reached down to see what it was, she found a key attached to a note. The note said, This came for you last night. It came with instructions to go to 272 Maple Lane, where you will find a place to stay. I hope everything works out, and God bless. Pastor Knack. When Karen woke up and saw the note, she could barely contain her excitement. She didn't even have time to notice that her mother seemed worried. So the two of them left the little church and walked a long way until they found Maple Lane and eventually the house at number 272. But Karen fell in love with it the minute she saw it. Grabbing the key, she ran up and opened the door. Inside, everything was covered in dust and smelled very old. There were sheets on all the furniture and piles of boxes all over the living room. And even though it was nearly Christmas Eve, there was no tree and not a decoration in sight. Karen didn't even notice. Soon, with Karen and her mother working together, they had scraped off all the dust and swept all the floors and scrubbed the kitchen and scoured the bathroom. They were so busy, they didn't even have time to explore the upstairs of the house. Karen's mother found some old food in the pantry that had to be thrown out, but in the living room she found some photo albums with old pictures in them. She spent all evening of that first day looking through the old albums until she was so tired she fell asleep right there on the couch. When Karen found her, she snuggled up with her, and soon she fell asleep too. When morning came, they went out onto the porch to look at the new day and found a huge turkey all ready for the oven and a newspaper turned to the help-wanted section. Next to that, they found a Christmas tree that wasn't decorated yet and a box of very old-looking ornaments made of colored glass and glitter. Karen spent the day decorating the tree while her mother kept busy in the kitchen preparing a feast. It was Christmas Eve. That evening, just as the turkey was done, a knock came at the door. It was Pastor Knack, and he was all smiles. I received a note telling me to come here for a turkey dinner. Is there any left? he said with a laugh. Karen's mother gave him a big hug and invited him in. Of course, she said, there's more than enough. 
But just as they were sitting down to eat, another knock came at the door, and this time it was Ned. Only it wasn't. He was the same Ned, but he looked different. A rosy glint was in his cheeks, and his eyes were shining. Not knowing what to do, Karen's mother invited him in, too, and asked him to dinner. Ned accepted right away. At dinner, everyone ate till they couldn't anymore, and when they were all full, they told stories. Karen's mother told about the house she grew up in, and Pastor Nack told a funny story about his first Christmas away from home. And when it came around to Ned, he looked softly at the room they were sitting in and said, My story is about this house. I lived here for forty years with my daughter, and later on with my granddaughter. We had a dozen wonderful Christmases here, and I'll never forget them. They had to go away one day, and I guess I just never forgave this old house for staying empty. I closed the place up and left it to rot. Stayed away for a long time, but I guess no wound can stay open forever. And yesterday I came back to see if the place could still be of some good. Then Ned turned to Karen and said, I bet I know what your story's about. Karen smiled at him and felt warm all over. Ned said, It's about the Christmas room, isn't it? Karen nodded sheepishly, a little afraid to bring up the Christmas room with her mother around. But just then, Ned got up from the table and held his hand out for Karen to take and said, Come with me. Together, all four of them climbed the stairs of the old house, up one floor and then another. From there, Ned led them down the hall to a little door that was locked tight. Ned reached into his pocket and came out with an old-fashioned brass key. Here, you open it, he said, handing the key to Karen. She took it in very carefully, opened the door. Inside, her eyes glowed with delicious firelight. It was a little room with a fireplace and a bookshelf and a chair just big enough for her, and all the wallpaper was red, and the walls were covered with ribbons and advent calendars, and in one corner there was a little Christmas tree, lit bright and shiny with tinsel and lights and covered with real candy canes and popcorn strings. While Karen looked around the room, her mouth hanging wide open, Ned turned to Karen's mother and said, This is my granddaughter's room, and I can't think of a better use for it. Karen's mother smiled and said, I saw your old pictures. She was a beautiful little girl. Ned just smiled a little sadly and nodded. She would have loved this, he said. She always loved Christmas. So the four of them went into the Christmas room and sat around the fire, and Karen read from the books about Dasher and Dancer and Frosty the Snowman and the Baby Jesus. And at the end of the evening, when everyone was a little sleepy and very cozy next to the fire, Ned asked Karen and her mother to stay in the house for as long as they wanted. Karen and her mother said yes. Karen and her mother and Ned stayed together in the house for a long time. Karen taught Ned some new songs, and Ned taught her how to whistle. But most of all, both of them taught Ned how to like people again, and now he likes nothing better. As it turns out, everybody needed each other. Through it all, the Christmas room remained exactly as Karen wanted it, even after she grew up and left the house. As the years went by and she started a family of her own, Karen still came back to the Christmas room now and again to remember that Christmas isn't doing much good if it isn't in all of us all year round. And for the rest of her life, forever and always, Karen never forgot that. Good thing to remember, don't you think? And that's The Christmas Room. I'm Jeff Adams, wishing you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from all of us here in International Falls, Minnesota, at the Icebox Radio Theater.
And that was I'm Dreaming of a Tropical Christmas, starring Tom Dement and Jeff Adams as Who Do You Think? Jolly old Satan Nick. Um, have a full hour of uh, Christmas-themed, but not in the usual way, uh, <laughs> shows for you here on Radio Drama Revival. Thank you, Jeff, um, for letting us share this. And thank you, Mike, for um, writing the story. Iceboxradio.org gets you their latest and greatest. Um, they've done all sorts of fun stuff. They get another holiday special coming up this year. Um, they've had this sort of uh, live line for um, Santa coming up. Um, they've, you know, the award-winning Icebox Radio Theater has won, um, I think, both the Ogle and Mark time over the years. Uh, mostly spooky stuff. Jeff is a great horror writer as well. It's just um, a, a well-knowledged um, soul on the art of radio drama. And uh, what he's done with Icebox, bringing um, a sort of a community theater, uh, community-involved radio production group um, to his uh, remote neck of Minnesota is just really quite spectacular. So um, they're a little bit, maybe a little bit frozen up there, but warm greetings to you, uh, Jeff, from here at Radio Drama Revival, where it's also reasonably chilly here in Maine, but um, not as cold as usual. So I guess we'll keep from putting our bathing suits. Um, all right, well, uh, we'll have more for you next week. Next week is going to be fun. It is actually the dawn of the Mayan apocalypse. So if you, uh, if the world's still here, if you hear the podcast, you will hear our uh, apocalyptic podcast special here on Radio Drama Revival. Um, you're not going to hear my own post-apocalyptic story, The Cleansed. Uh, we're doing a little bit more dramatic than that. It's going to be fun. Um, so that'll be our apocalyptic special here on 12-21-12 on Radio Drama Revival. Um, if you can't wait for the end of the world, over 200 hours of original audio drama programming at radiodramarevival.com. We've got featured genres. Uh, dig through uh, previous holiday content or through any of our content. If you hate Christmas, we've got plenty of stuff for you there for all your Baja humbugs. Dig through the content at radiodramarevival.com. You can learn all about the latest in audio drama news. Follow us on Twitter. Hit up at Radiodrama or search Facebook for Radio Drama Revival. Find us on iTunes. Leave a review if you would. Search for Radio Drama Revival. And that is a wrap for this week. Radio Drama Revival is produced by yours truly, Fred Greenhalge. Copyright of individual shows remains that are original producers, but do please share this show as far and widely as you'd like. Radio Drama Revival originates in on-air radio at WMPG-FM, that is Southern Maine's community radio. It is podcast at radiodramarevival.com as a labor of love. Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in, and have a great week. Mm-hmm.